It's scary. I mean, I don't even think about that for web development because of things like Squarespace and Wix, where people don't even need to know how to code, where they can just sort of build their website from there. Like, are they going to automate that? Like, are people just going to be able to customize their websites exactly as need be without web developers? And it's like, okay, in that case, then now you have to be the one to produce something like a Wix or a Squarespace. Welcome to the Hacker Noon Podcast. I'm your host, Trent Lipinski. In this episode, I interview Paris Athena. She's a UI UX developer and the founder of Black Tech Twitter and Black Tech Pipeline. She's created a community for people of color to be able to organize, communicate, mentor each other, and find work. In this episode, we talk about some of the systemic things that are facing the tech industry and society in general today, and what she's doing to help fix them. This is an amazing episode, so please stay tuned. Greetings, Hacker. Ever wonder how to submit stories to Hacker Noon or check the status of your submissions? Well, wonder no more. Go to contribute.hackernoon.com. Whether you're a new writer, longtime contributor, or looking for the right place to spotlight your brand, get started with contribute.hackernoon.com. With your help, we are building Hacker Noon 2.0 to be the best place for tech professionals to publish, and it starts with a new submission flow. Head over to contribute.hackernoon.com today to claim your spot. You are Hacker Noon. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with Paris. Hey, Paris, tell us a bit about who you are and what you're working on. Sure. Um, so I'm Paris Athena on Twitter. Um, so I'm a front-end developer. I use React and React Native. Um, I'm also a creator of Black Tech Twitter, which is a movement bringing awareness to the lack of black and brown faces in the technology technology industry. And I'm also founder of Black Tech Pipeline, which is going to be sort of a platform ecosystem for Black Tech Twitter, um, just to bring representation and um, exposure to Black people in technology. Awesome. So what uh, got you into programming and tech? Um, <laughs> so before I became a developer, I was trying to become an actress and a writer and director for films. Um, and none of that worked out for me. So in turn, I became a wax specialist, which is literally, I was waxing body hair off of people. Um, and I really enjoyed it, but I knew that I wouldn't be able to move up from there. So uh, I found out that my brother was coding and um, I went to his school one day to just sort of look over some projects he was doing and his principal happened to be there. And I asked, you know, why, why are kids coding and what is it? It just seems like like it's a bunch of symbols and math and science and it's really difficult. It's weird that kids are doing it. And the principal explained to me, you know, like in this age, like everything is technology driven. And if you don't have some type of technological background, you're going to be left behind. And when he told me that, I was like, you know what? As a wax specialist, I'm actually losing clientele to laser because laser removes hair permanently. And so that just sort of clicked for me. And I was like, oh my God, I really need some type of technological background. And then I got into coding. I, I entered a boot camp. Awesome. And you're focusing primarily on front end and UI and UX? Yes. Yep. And what, uh, what kind of led you in that direction? Because it seems like you've kind of got some, a creative side to you. So were you right. able to kind of apply that to the front end? 
So when I got into the bootcamp, they were only teaching front end, so HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, and I wasn't aware about back end or middleware. I wasn't um, aware of any of that. So that's just the first thing I learned. But I do like front end because it's visual, and as a creative person, I like to see what I'm doing, and I really enjoy like getting a design from a designer and bringing it to life. I, I enjoy that stuff, and I don't know how much I'd enjoy back end as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm sticking to the front end for now. That's cool. Yeah. I had, I've done a little bit of front end work myself, so, uh, it's actually my preferred, uh, it, like programming side of things as well. Although I try not to code anymore. Uh, there's much better programmers in the world than me. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I, but I definitely know, like, you know, there's a creative element to it that I, yeah. that, like you said, that I really enjoy that being able to make something kind of come to life. Right, exactly. Yeah, there's this whole misconception. That's what I, I thought that coding was just going to be super difficult, um, but it's not. It's it's actually very artistic. So, mm-hmm. you know, anyone can do it. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, I think I first started learning to code when I was like in seventh or eighth grade. Um, oh. Yeah, so it's, I mean you can pretty much, anyone can pretty much learn how to code if they really want to spend the time and energy. And you just got introduced to coding, what, just two, three years ago? Two years ago, yeah. Yeah, and like, how's it going? Like, are you you getting projects? Have you you found some good uh, projects to work on? Um, I have, and I really like it, although coding still isn't my passion. (laughs) But um, this is also why I stick to front end, because it's not my passion. I have to do something that I can tolerate or something I like. And I do like front end because it's so visual. And that's why I'm sticking to that. Instead of trying to like, you know, go to back end, become full stack. I just really enjoy front end. Yeah. Awesome. And so you've created a community, uh, you know, talking about some of the issues in the tech industry about getting representation in the black community. Uh, Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about why you created this community and how's it going? Sure. Um, So, you know, before the tech industry, as I said, I was a WAC specialist. I was doing things like waitressing and hostessing and lower income jobs. And there I was like surrounded by black and brown people. Um, It was so diverse. And then once I learned to code and I got my first internship is when I noticed, you know, wow, there's like no black and brown people here. I'm the only one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then that progressed as I got my first job um, as a developer, I was the only black person in the entire company. And I found that to be strange. And then I was dealing with little microaggressions and, you know, just dealing almost with like racism at work and being, um, sort of exiled if I felt like, um, I wasn't, I didn't feel included at all. Um, so yeah, so I got on Twitter and that's where I noticed that there's a lot of black and brown developers, but I don't ever see these people at meetups. I don't see them at conferences. I don't see them at work. Um, so that's why I tweeted the question, what does black Twitter in tech look like? And then, you know, it kind of blew up and I'm like, oh my God, there's so many black and brown people in tech. But mm-hmm. I didn't know that because I'm not, we don't have exposure to each other until we got online, which is like the beauty of the internet. So let's talk about some of the systemic issues of what's going on. Because as you said, when you start getting into, you know, your boot camp and that kind of thing, you you found yourself to be the only person in this situation. And you said you've come into some situations of racism. So mm-hmm. for the audience, can you kind of like 
outline some of those experiences and what you've, you know, what you've been through and the challenges that that's presented for you? Yeah. So there's like tiny things, which we call microaggressions. And it's like, I would be left out of conversations or things would be said around me that they're triggering. And you wouldn't normally say that to, I guess if you had some type of awareness, there's things you keep to yourself that you don't say out loud because Mm -hmm. you just, it's going to affect someone. Um, So there's been times where, you know, I'm in an elevator surrounded by these white women that I worked with and they would say things like, oh, I had to drive through this neighborhood and it was so scary. I had to lock my doors or um, they would talk about, you you know, again, on neighborhoods and say things like, ew, I would never live there. Ew, it's ghetto. Like, they're just that you don't say that. And not, I'm not, I'm from a, a really wealthy city, actually, but I'm a, as a black person and you know the, that these places are full of people who look like you, that's, that hurts, you know? And it's like, you're trying to stay away from people who look like me and as if we're, you know, we're not of value, we're not worthy. And I don't like that. Um, there's actually, there's a big one. A, a woman told a story to her friends where I worked. Um, she was saying that she called the cops on a black man who was Uber, she found out he was Uber Eats, but she called the cops because he accidentally rang her doorbell. And she said she opened the door and she just saw a black man and she slammed the door and she called the cops. And, you know, you don't, that's why black men get killed by police because of situations like that. Mm-hmm. That's not funny. And I don't, and they were all laughing and I don't know. I don't know. Greetings, hacker. Ever wonder how to submit stories to Hacker Noon or check the status of your submissions? Well, wonder no more. Go to contribute.hackernoon.com. Whether you're a new writer, longtime contributor, or looking for the right place to spotlight your brand, get started with contribute.hackernoon.com. With your help, we are building Hacker Noon 2.0 to be the best place for tech professionals to publish. And it starts with a new submission flow. Head over to contribute.hackernoon.com today to claim your spot. You are Hacker Noon. Well, it's, it's one thing for that to happen, and it's another thing for them to then talk about it at work in front right. of you uh, right. if it's normal. Right. Uh, okay, that's just, that's just crazy to me. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, like I was telling you before we started recording, like I grew up in the Bay Area in San Francisco, and mm-hmm. I've seen what's happened to the black community here is it's mostly been removed and pushed to the East Bay. And in many cases, even pushed out of the East Bay. Um, and it's just horrible that we still have kind of the systemic, well, not that we kind of, that we still have systemic racism uh, Mm -hmm. taking place in this country. And, you know, the fact that it's, it's even in our workplaces to this day and, it, what is it for you? Are, is the, are these people just not aware or is there still an inherent racism? What is it? I think it's a mix of both. I think that they're not aware and it's it's almost like if you're not going to take the time to understand, how could you be aware? You know, if, if something's not your problem, you're probably not going to pay attention to it. So you're not going to understand why it is a problem and how you can help. Um, and then there's times where you question, it's like, are you doing this on purpose? Are you trying to make me feel uncomfortable? Um, and you know, as someone, as a black woman, I can't help but feel like you are doing this on purpose and you do want me to be uncomfortable because you don't want me to be here. 
And that's just what I have to jump to because I just don't understand why you would act in this way or say these types of things around me, you know? Yeah, it's just completely inappropriate at this point in 2019 when we're recording this. So yeah. uh, so let's talk about kind of the the systemic problems here. So, mm-hmm. you know, in a lot of Black communities, you know, access to technology is very limited. Um, right. Did you experience that? I didn't experience that, but I know a lot of people who did, and I also, I also understand why that happens. So mm-hmm. when you come from you know, a lower income community and you come from places like the projects, you, you tend to have a school system that just isn't that great. So because they just don't have funding, they don't have people paying attention to them, wanting to donate to them or just thinking about them at all. So when that happens, you're going to get teachers that don't care as much. And when teachers don't care as much, that's when students, you know, especially young students, their kids, they become you know, they focused on the wrong things. And that's why things like gangs are formed and, yeah. you know, just that that's how that all sort of happens. And um, they don't get access to these resources because again, there's just no money and people aren't willingly going there to go and tutor and mentor these kids either. A lot of these people are scared to go to these neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, and this is all part of um, like systemic racism you know, this was all done. This is all done on purpose. This is all to keep us, you know, suppressed in these communities and unable to sort of progress and move up and catch up with the world. Mm -hmm. We're so far behind and it's hard to say if we'll ever catch up. Um, But that's why I created something like Black Tech Twitter, just to, I want to help, you know, I want us to be able to rely on one another as a community and um, uplift one another and I don't know, just do what we can. Yeah. And so can you talk a little bit about what's happening in that community since you've created it? Uh, what kind of things are you seeing? What's what's happening? Man, there's a lot happening. So so first of all, we're just connected now. We have now we're it's almost like a family. We're like a giant family. Um, we didn't know we even existed. And now we all have each other. So it's like this really great dynamic. It's super positive. Um, and each of us have our own skill set, our own specialties. We're learning from one another. We're um, building businesses with one another. We're collaborating. Um, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, so what we want now, we kind of, while this is all online on Twitter, we want to have, we want to really feel as one where we're actually seeing each other, Mm -hmm. hearing each other speak. Um, So that's why we're working on things like the Black Tech Pipeline platform so that, um, you know, now we can schedule things like uh, relationships with mentors, uh, having meetups and conferences, um, scheduling Zoom calls to continue contributing to this one project. it's really just a feeling of being one and it being real. Cause it's great that it's on Twitter, but you want to, you know, you need that to grow too. Yeah. And you know, we're, we're going through our own situation with Hacker Noon. We're trying to build our own community. So right. definitely know the struggles of, uh, you know, trying to organize people and even, even online, it's still hard. Um, yeah. And then taking it online and bringing it offline is even harder because um, right. you can build a massive community online, but getting people to actually show up in person, uh, that can be difficult sometimes. So, right. but, uh, 
you know, I, I listened to some of your other podcasts and read some of your stuff on Hacker Noon as well. And, you know, it sounds like, you know, you're helping people also find jobs. Yep. So, um, this is, I mean, still ongoing from when Black Tech Twitter first started to now. People are getting jobs. They're getting opportunities. I mean, big companies are tweeting to Black Tech Twitter. They're reaching out to me to retweet their job op- their um, mm-hmm. job openings. Um, people are getting, yeah, the interviews, internships, jobs. Uh, I don't know. Kind so, of like the whole thing. Right that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's really uh, cool. So, and then the Discord, can you talk a little bit about the Discord and what's happening there? Sure. Um, so the Discord is just um, another, I guess it's like a segue from Twitter into a pl- one place where um, Black Tech Twitter, I don't want to say members, but people in Black Tech Twitter, they can go and um, continue. It's like a more intimate setting where you're um, surrounded by people who look like you in the same industry as you. And um, we have channels that are organized by location. So you can find people who are near you to um, go ahead and collaborate with or meet up with. Uh, We have channels for different frameworks and languages, um, you know, that you want to either continue building on or learn about. And um, I mean, we have a bunch of channels, even for people that are, I think it's called the 100K Club, (laughs) or people are making over 100K and then people can ask them, you know, oh, how did you do it? How do I get there? So it's like a lot of like mentorship and just building relationships and continuing to connect. That's awesome. And so you've, you've got a group of people that are in that 100K Club, and then they're, they're Mm -hmm. mentoring others that are trying to achieve that as well. I mean, that's awesome. Um, we had uh, a guest on uh, from Lambda School, uh, oh, one yeah. of the founders of Lambda. Have, have you ch- taken a look at what they're doing, how they're kind of reversing the economic model? Yes, I love Lambda School. I'm obsessed with Lambda School. <laughs> I love <laughs> I mean, what they're doing. Yeah, it's a really cool model where, you know, you basically get to go to school mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, they pay you now, actually. They're right. actually in a stipend uh, program. And then... Only after you get a job over a certain amount do you then pay back the school. Yeah. Um, and so if you don't get employment after finishing their program, you don't have to pay anything until you get a job, which I think is a really awesome idea. That is amazing. So actually the boot camp that I attended called Resilient Coders, they do the same thing, but it's not as intense as Lambda School. Um, so like I said, it was an eight week program. They've now extended it to, I think, 14 weeks. Um, and now people are learning full stack, whereas I only had eight weeks to learn front end, but Mm -hmm. they did pay me stipends to learn to code. So I got to quit my job and just focus full time on, um, learning front end web development. Uh, so I think it's really cool. I I want this to become like a model everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) More boot camps, more, more things like Lambda school. I think that would be amazing. And it, it would really help people from lower income communities, you know, and people that are underrepresented. I think this is like the perfect way to get more representation of us in this industry. Yep. And just the other day I was at a Bernie Sanders rally and he asked the crowd to raise their hands if they had student loan debt and almost half the people raised their hands. Like it was seriously almost half the crowd. And like, my heart just like dropped when I saw that. I was just like, what the hell? Yeah. We've got a serious problem in this country where people are going into massive debt to try and get education. 
And then in many of those cases, they actually can't find jobs afterwards because right. the traditional education system, like, I don't know, it, it, I, I'm a dropout. So I, I didn't get to finish. So I, I can't speak to finishing, but I, the reason I dropped out personally is because I was like, this is bullshit. Um, is. I figured out the math and I was like, I can go get a job right now, get paid to work under experienced entrepreneurs, make money rather than pay money to someone or, or to an institution that, you know, isn't going to teach me much. Right. Uh, exactly. So I think these, I mean, book, I mean, basically what we're talking about here is kind of a vocational education of learning how to code. And I think that's so critical and important uh, to be able to teach people a specific skill that immediately results in work um, right. and, you know, can take them and help them rise out of the, uh, you know, the economic system that we have today, which is just completely screwed up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, yeah, this needs to happen everywhere. And I mean, I have people, I know a lot of people who went to Lambda school <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and they have like the most incredible jobs and, and their salaries are also very amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, like this would help so many people because yeah, the debt crisis from just from education. I mean, I have people who they can't move out of their parents' house because of their student loans, you know? And I mean, that's I've bad. Got like that too. It's, it's bad. Um, mm -hmm. And then even if you can move out, you know, you're, you're paying ridiculous prices for rent. Right. Um, I mean, you can't live. I mean, you can't actually enjoy your life because yeah. you're busy paying all of these bills but especially like student loans, they are unforgiving. They it's predatory. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's just, it's a predatory system and it just takes advantage of people, unfortunately. And right. we used to have free college in this country. Like that was a thing. Just, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, you know, we, I mean, there's so many challenges politically and there's so many things yeah. going on both in America and abroad. And it's just, you know, we're at this like really screwed up point in human history right now. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it is, we're also at an amazing point in human history because we do have the technology right. to be able to solve some of these problems and actually do some good and actually raise people, you know, out of poverty and bring them into situations, you know, where they're able to take care of themselves and make more money and, you know, start families and that kind of thing. Right. But at the same time, we still, I mean, the average price of a home in almost any major city in this country is out of reach, even for yeah. tech workers. Like, yeah. people don't seem to realize that, you know, the upper echelon of the tech industry, people who are making, you know, upwards of $200,000 a year are getting out-competed to buy homes because they're having to face, like, all-cash buyouts from, especially yeah. from billionaires from other countries. And, you know, yeah. there's there's this global economic thing that's going on right now that has just been really, uh, I don't know. It's been really bad for just Americans in general. Uh, yeah. And then it's even worse when it, you know, when you apply it to, you know, disenfranchised communities. Right. I know it's really bad. Um, and that's the thing too, like it's you, this type of system makes people stuck like I'm trying to phrase that the way I want to say it but like you're kind of stuck you know it's like 
um, weighing your options, you're not going to get what you want. You're just choosing between what you can actually afford. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just, it, it's holding everyone back. This is why I also worry for like, you know, black people and they're coming from these lower income communities. And the other thing is they're not even aware that they can, they can actually come into this industry that way. They don't know that because they don't have exposure to it because they don't have resources and without resources, you're just, you know, you're just not aware. Yeah. Um, and that's the other thing that's frightening. Which is so important about what you're doing is because you're helping to build awareness right. in this community and you're helping to build this community and help them stay organized so that they can find right. work, work together. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, mentorship is so important. Um, I even recently, like, you know, I've been mentored over the last few years uh, by a couple different people. And I'm just now realizing how valuable those skills are that they taught me. And I, I couldn't have got those in a, in a classroom, I couldn't have gotten that experience from anyone other than someone who had experienced it themselves and right. that taught me. So I know the value of mentorship. It's so important. Um, so setting up a system for mentorship of people who have been in those situations, overcome them, and then using that knowledge and teaching others is just so critical. Right. I know. I like it because also it's nice to, it's also nice to be mentored by someone who also looks like you and understands you. Um, at least, you know, for, I think for black people, it's important because again, we're just, you know, we sort of lack, we, we lack these resources again. Um, and we don't know that a lot of these things exist when we're coming from these communities, so to see someone who looks like you and they're successful, that, that means something, you know, because, you know, if you don't see that, you're going to only see what's in your surrounding. And if you're coming from a lower income community, it's either, you know, you're just working just a lower income job or, you know, you're pursuing rapping or basketball or, you know, these, these yeah. careers that they're great and they're grand, but how many of you are actually going to make it? So that's why I think it's so important to go back to your community, let them know, hey, this is what I'm doing. You can do it too. And that's where the mentorship comes in. You build that relationship and you teach them. You go back, you teach and, and, you know, pave the way for people who need it, you know? I mean, as a technologist, my my biggest concern right now is artificial intelligence and Mm -hmm. what that's going to do to American communities uh, you know, it's, it's going to be devastating, um, yeah. because automation is, it's here. It's already here. Honestly, it is. Um, and it's just, the tech's already here, but it just hasn't been fully rolled out and implemented. And mm-hmm. once that implementation is complete, I mean, I've seen estimates where 20, 30 plus percent of today's job market, which is already pretty bad, yep. getting worse, uh, yep. And we're going to see an elimination of 20 to 30%, of, especially of some of those lower income jobs. Right. Yeah. So where are those people supposed to go? Exactly. And it's already, I mean, if look at McDonald's, there's no cashiers. Now they have machines that mm-hmm. you can go and order your food from, and then they have it ready for you. So that's why I'm telling people like, hey, get into tech, because if you don't have a technological background, you're going to be left behind. So like, in that situation, the only way you don't get left behind is if you're building those machines. You know, you can't beat them, join them. So <laughs> those skills are necessary today. No, absolutely. And 
to Pachigir a lot worse. Um, Because the powers that be, they are, they're full in on automation and they've invested billions of dollars, uh, maybe even more than billions uh, in trying to solve some of these technological problems Mm -hmm. so that they can replace people and replace the workforce. Um, And it's, it's a major, it's going to be a major concern over the next 10 years plus. Um, Because I mean, still in the United States of America, I don't know if a lot of people realize this, but like one of the top jobs in some states is driving a car um, mm-hmm. of some form, you know, whether it's deliveries, uh, you know, truck driving, shipments. Yeah, truck um, driving is a big one. And I mean, look at what's happened with Lyft and Uber and, uh, you know, these ride sharing, uh, you know, services. I mean, that has become a major point of income for mm-hmm. so many people. Um, you know, I always try to talk to my Uber or Lyft driver and like, see where they're from and that kind of thing. And some of the stories that I hear are just insane. Um, People driving from Los Angeles to work in San Francisco because they can get a better rate if they drive in San Francisco than if they drive in LA. Um, And I mean, it's, that's, that's a 400 mile drive. Yeah. Uh, And these people are sleeping in their cars at night and they're staying at hostels or like crazy things just to make ends meet driving Lyft or Uber. Um, and what happens when all our cars are automated and self-driving? Yeah. It's scary. I mean, I even I I don't even think about that for web development because of things like Squarespace and Wix, where people don't even know need to know how to code, where they can just sort of build their website from there. Mm-hmm. And I think like, are they gonna automate that? Like are people just gonna be able to customize their websites exactly as need be? without web developers, you know, like, and it's like, okay, in that case, then now you have to be the one to produce something like a Wix or a Squarespace. Um, yeah. like, but how many jobs are for those are going to be available? I don't know. I just think really deep into that. Cause it's, it is scary. I think it's something yeah. to think about. I mean, that's honestly, that's a real concern. Um, that's personally why I left coding, um, yeah. is I, I realized after I sold my last startup that, uh, I needed to, I needed to like expand my skill set beyond, you know, what's, what, what's going to work in the future. I mean, part of the reason I had started doing this podcast is I was like, ha, machine can't replace me for having conversations with people. Um, (laughs) You know, there's a few things, but there's only so many things that people are going to still value that other people do because automation, unfortunately is going to eliminate a lot of these things. And I can tell you like, yeah, a lot of web design is going to be automated in the future. Yeah. Um, and there will be AI bots that code. Yeah. That's terrifying. That's coming. Um, yeah. So, but at the same time, it's important to learn programming so that you can be the one to program that bot right, uh, exactly. and tell it what to do <laughs> and understand what's happening because so many people, I mean, even my own parents, like they just think technology is magic. They have no understanding of like how it actually works. And, you know, there's, there's some hard math and science and, you know, stuff going into everything that we're doing. Uh, And it's really important to understand the foundation of how all these things work. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I have, so my grandmother, she doesn't know how to work the phone, the iPad or anything. And I'm just like, man, the future, I don't know. 
Yeah. It's not her fault because she was she lived in a time where obviously technology wasn't what it is now, but it's scary if you don't have even that bit of knowledge, like how how much you're gonna lack, you know, how far behind you're gonna be. And yeah. so Oh, I mean, just even having access to a smartphone. I mean, if you don't have a smartphone in today's economy and today's society, mm-hmm. you're left out. Right. And how many people struggle to pay their cell phone bill every month? I, I bet you it's a lot higher than we're willing to admit. Right. Yeah. I know. I have to help her with everything. She like, but even bus schedules, like the pamphlets that they used to have. I don't think they have them anymore. So now she has to go online and she's like, I don't know how to figure this out. Uh, it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. It's scary. No, it definitely is. So anyways, this is the Hacker Noon podcast. So I've got to ask you, what is some time in your life that you've had to hack something? I am right. I'm hacking something right now. <laughs> I am trying to hack this, this system of you know, trying to keep black and brown people out of the loop. I'm trying to hack. I'm trying to make uh, a space for us and make sure that we can progress and keep up. And I also want to make sure that when we when we come into these spaces, there is no reason. There should be no excuses as to why we aren't why why aren't we present. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that there's there's no way there's no way for you to like respond to that. You know. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, everyone should be able to have a chance to succeed and participate in what's happening with technology. There's no reason why we shouldn't do that. (laughs) There's no excuse unless there's personal feelings involved. And that's my goal. I want to make sure we get there. And if we can't, why not? And you won't have a response unless it's a personal feeling. So, yeah. Well, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? Um support black tech twitter and black tech pipeline and um you know don't be afraid to speak up speak up for people who are underrepresented and people who don't have a voice as loud as yours well awesome uh where can people find you at twitter on twitter at paris athena paris with two s's okay and where can they find the discord and everything else that's all on my twitter perfect Well, thank you for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. It's been fun. This concludes another episode of the Hacker Noon Podcast. I'm your host, Trent Lipinski. Please don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube and follow us on social media. You can also find us at hackernoon.com and podcast.hackernoon.com for more episodes. Thank you for listening.